0: Welcome. (laughs) We're going to see how this goes today. (laughs) I love this. The little ones are all coming up to the front. I was just reminded of the story where Jesus is teaching and daddy's got candy for you. I got candy for you. I really do. I promise. I'm not lying. I do. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. Oh, Oh, Jenna's got got chapstick. chapstick. Yeah, you want chapstick? No. All right. Cool. We're, we're going to see how this goes. Um, but I was reminded of the story where Jesus is teaching and all the children come. And the disciples, I think I'm a little loud. Can I come down a little bit? Um, thank you. And and all the disciples and everybody comes and tries to pull the kids away. And Jesus is like, No. <laughs> It's for these kids, right? He's, I can't remember his exact word. Somebody else knows it better than me. But he's like, don't suffer the children <laughs> to come to me. Like, bring them, right? And it's children have this faith. Somebody said to me, I think it was Dan maybe, who said, it's often the, the children who have most recently encountered God and then older people who are about to, who really, really get it, right? All right. is there any chance we'll go to Daddy? This is gonna be very difficult. To pr- we're just gonna have to do it. I'm so sorry. It's I will. Time for candy. Let's go. <laughs> this is like. All right, we're ripping the necklace. We're good. We're good. All right. I love you. I was like trying really hard. I'm like I never want my kids to feel like um, ministry or anything else takes priority over them. But I don't know how I could actually preach a whole sermon with her. So <laughs> we're gonna go with it. <laughs> I will make it up to her later. Welcome. Um, if I don't know you, my name's Tersha. Um, that wonderful, amazing man is my husband, Cody, and we're the lead pastors here at Limitless. Um, I, I don't even know how to contain the joy I feel for what God is doing in our city right now. Um, you guys, yeah. It's like every day we're watching the things that that he called us to do, and we obediently said yes sometimes when um, people thought we were absolutely out of our minds and not hearing from God at all, And, and yet he has come and done something so incredible, like We had a tent thing down there, and so many different people um, just came and received healing and salvation and baptisms and just incredible things. Every day over at Formata, if you guys haven't gotten a chance to go see Formata, you should go check it out. Every day, we are encountering people who are like, wow, this is a church? Like, maybe I'll come back to church. Maybe I'll try it again. Um, If that's you, I, I really hope that today you experience. The love of Jesus, because for us it's never none of this was ever about trying to convince people. It was just trying to do what Jesus said, and that's to love people. That's it. That's our only goal <laughs> is to love people. Um, but we're seeing like just I'm, I think we were looking at the numbers, and we've seen like something like three thousand people come through for Mata in the last three weeks. Yeah. So, some of those are repeats, like there's some moms who are every day there with their kids, like, yes, you play with the animals, I will drink my coffee, amen, this is church, um, <laughs> and then we, we um, a lot of you guys know we, we started a school, actually we just started out as a group of homeschool families who were meeting this last year, and God just was doing so much in and through um, our kids and the families there. And so he said, expand it. And we're like, okay, we'll just, you know, invite a few other people. Uh, we've been getting applications every like multiple applications every day for the school that we're starting. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I got, we got one last night and it says on there, like, how did you hear about it? And they're like, web search. I'm like, I didn't even know we were on the web. All right, cool. All right, Jesus. Let's go. Um, But we have the problem now of like, well, it's getting a lot bigger than we had planned. So do we need to cut it off or do we need to hire more people or, you know, so pray for us for that. Um, But there's just incredible things going on. And we're in, in the middle, part three, of a series called Follow Me. And. This whole series is really about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And that the word disciple is a very churchy word, and I think actually it's, it's thrown around churches so much that it's actually lost its significance and its meaning. Um, the word disciple was actually something that was not created by Jesus. It didn't come into existence. I mean, he created everything, so kind of. But, um, but when, he, when he came to the earth, he wasn't the one who was like, ooh, Disciples, let's do that. It was something that actually already existed in the culture. And there were these rabbis or religious teachers and all of the rabbis um, would actually have disciples. And the point of a disciple was you would literally give up your whole life to follow this teacher or this rabbi and, and the goal was to become like your rabbi. So yes, you're learning from them. They're teaching you, they're teaching you um, scripture and and all of that, um, you're also there to serve them, and you're there to, you know, help take care of their needs. You're you're there to help them as they go teach others to minister to others, and that's exactly what we see with Jesus and his disciples. But each rabbi had a different kind of flavor, a different, just like different churches, right? Different flavor, different focus, different uh, mission or ministry. The essence was the same, but each rabbi was slightly different, and, and, and so the goal of the disciples was that if they were in, to encounter somebody else on the street, that that person would know that they are such and such person's dis- disciple. Does that make sense? Like, they want to, to really learn the ways of their rabbi so much that people would be able to say, oh, you're John's disciple, and we actually see that sometimes in Scripture. Oh, 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 I see you're John's disciple because they could tell the way that they carried themselves, the things that they said, the things that they had focus on, like John the Baptist, his disciples were out baptizing people, right? And so they, they, th- this is the goal of discipleship, is to become like the one you're following. And so obviously in churches today, We've got that, we've got where we, you know, we want, we love, we really, really believe in like mentoring and um, that, that people can disciple others. <clears throat> that was actually the biggest thing that's called the Great Commission. It's the biggest thing that Jesus said after he resurrected was go out and make disciples. And so we're supposed to be discipling others and making disciples, but the amazing thing is we, we might be going, okay, yeah, come be part of what, what we're doing as a community, as a family, because there's a specific flavor here. But the whole goal is come be his disciple. Yeah. Come be the disciple of Jesus. Whatever it might look like might look different, but but the goal is that we're gonna say, okay, this is our guidebook, right? And and we wanna always compare everything to this, but he is still alive, he is still speaking. Yeah he is still moving today and, and we are trying to make we are trying to be and to make disciples of Jesus Christ 2000 years later and so discipleship yes it's about learning but it's about so much more than that it's about becoming like Jesus it's about lear- yes learning theology but the, the bible actually says in 1 uh, Corinthians which is a a letter written to a place in a place called Corinth And in this letter, it actually says that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And I think what we end up seeing so much today in churches is a whole lot of puff up, right? A whole lot of like knowledge. We got all the theology, all the doctrine right, but we're missing the love builds up. We wanna create a place as believers, not just here, but, but throughout the earth, we wanna create a place where people are literally being built up into who they were meant to be. That people would enter into a relationship with God, but in that relationship with God, you, I remember my dad would always say, you come in and you enter in, you become a child of God, but then you look around, whoop, you look around and you start noticing your brothers and sisters. Because when you enter into the family of God, you're not just you and him. You now are surrounded by all the others who are his children too. I don't know where I was going with that, but building up, yes. So, we are actually called to build one another up in love. And that is what discipleship is. To me, that is really the essence of what discipleship is, is love. Jesus actually said to his disciples, I think it was in John 17, 14, 13, 13. John 13, He says, "You he's talking to his disciples." And, and remember, yes, there were 12 main disciples, but he actually had uh, women and other men who were following him. He sent out 72. He sent out, I mean, there's so many people. It talks about how there's just crowds who followed him. And so he's talking to his disciples and to, to the people who were following him, the people who've committed themselves to Him. And he says to them, they will know that you are my disciples by the way that you recite scripture. No, I don't think it said that. You will know, they will, they will, the world will know that you are my disciples by you keeping all of the rules and making sure you yell at everybody who sins. No. You will, they will know that you are my disciples by what? The way you love the way you love, and not just the way you love him. It actually, he doesn't say by the way you love God. He says by the way you love one another. Uh-huh. You, they will. The world will know that we are his disciples by the way we love each other, right. and by the way we love our community, by the way that we love our city, by the way we love our family, by the way we love those pe- the people in our workplace. The world will know by the way we love. If you are a believer in Jesus today, this should be your number one priority, is love. And the word also says that God is love. It's not just a feeling, it's not just an action. He's a a person, he's alive, he's active. If you are a believer today, this should be your number one priority. And if you are not yet a believer today, my prayer is that as you enter here, that you will feel loved, that you will feel his love and that you will feel our love. We've been going through um, the book of Acts, which is really just the follow on to the story of Jesus and it's after his death and resurrection and how the disciples really start the church. And so we've been going through the book of Acts in our midweek service on Wednesdays and this last week Cody read through Acts chapter 4 and there's so much good in there but there was one line in particular that really hit me. If you guys want to look with me, you totally can. Um, It's in Acts chapter 4 verse 13 or it'll be on the screen. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, Peter and John had just, let me, sorry, pause. Let me give you a little bit of context here before we just dive in. So Peter and John have actually gone and they've just healed a man. And everybody is completely shocked because this man, I believe, was born um, paralyzed and he'd been sitting there totally paralyzed and he's, he's begging them as they're going into the gates to worship at the temple and he sa- they, he's begging for money. And Peter and John come to him and they say, we do not have silver and gold, but what we have we give you be healed in the name of Jesus. And this man who has been paralyzed since birth gets up and walks. And the whole world is like, Turned or everyone's like, what is going on? And Peter and John are literally brought now before the what's called the Sanhedrin. So this is the religious leaders. It's basically like a court of the religious leaders who, by the way, if you read through the gospels, don't like Jesus much. And so now they see his disciples going and doing these same miracles. They're like, We thought we got rid of this one guy. Now there's all of his followers are going and going out and doing the same things that he's doing. Note to self-church. Go out and do the same things that he Amen. did. <laughs> yes. And so they, they, they're brought before the Sanhedrin, and you'll see it later on that, you know, they, the disciples end up getting thrown in jail, all of this stuff. But right now, this these, these religious leaders, they don't even know what to do because they're like, well, we see the guy, and he's not paralyzed anymore. So I don't really know what to do, but we don't like that these guys are preaching the gospel. So please stop. Um, but it says this in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. We're back here. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I love that. <laughs> anybody else, you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody else in here ever feel completely inadequate? Ordinary, nothing special. Okay, you're raising your hands. All right, <laughs> let's go, right? And I love this because this is who Jesus uses. He doesn't, and I hate that word uses, he, he partners with. This is, who, this is who Jesus goes, cool, I can work with you. And so if you're feeling that way now or ever, you are in good company. You're in good company, but, but here's the point that is incredible, it says they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were changed themselves and they literally changed the world. Like like these men, I say this almost every week, turned the world upside down (coughs) because they had been with Jesus. Not because they read a bunch of self-help books, not because they got a you know consultant in to help them to figure out how to grow the church. We've done that; nothing wrong with it, but because <laughs> it didn't. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> but because they had been with Jesus, I want you to know today that just like these men, Jesus sees you, and He says. That you are somebody worth his time, somebody special. He sees you and he sees and he loves you enough to go, I want to help you to become who you were born to be. (laughs) Because so often we lose track, don't we? We get so messed up by the world and insecurities and what other people say about us and the tragedies that happen in our lives that we lose focus on who we were actually created to be. And God is going, just like these men, you will change the world if you will just spend time with me. They had an encounter with Jesus and it changed and transformed them. Everyone was astonished when they looked because they saw that these ordinary, unschooled men had been with Jesus. They had an encounter. I remember. Um, I kind of grew up. Just I, uh, my parents were incredible, are incredible, and they, they raised me in the Word and in church, and so I knew the Word, but I'd really it hadn't become real to me. But I, I was thinking this last week about when was the first time that I really felt like, like I, I really felt the power of God. And it was actually right here in this room, and there was a little circle of maybe five chairs right there, and I think Tiffany had put together a 24-hour prayer vigil. And I came in, and and we all had signed up for different times. So I came in quietly, and there were maybe two or three other people praying during my little, I think, I don't know, it's 30 minutes or an hour or something. And I came in, and I'm just kind of praying. And, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever tried to pray uh, for a long period of time, and you get distracted, and so I'm like, okay, pray. What am I going to eat for lunch? Okay, pray, (laughs) you know, doing this. And then suddenly I just... I just felt like the presence of God come on me like I'd never felt before and I I remember being in the seat and I just dropped to the floor like this. And I was I was I don't know, maybe 17 or something. I I don't know. And I was like, "Whoa." <laughs> Whoa. I I thought that being a good Christian was just living the right way and that I would get to experience God. When I got to heaven, right? That's the promise. And suddenly I had this encounter that he was real and right here and right now, and that I could actually hear and sense him. And it took me a long time after that to really have that be a part of my life to where now I can stand up here and, like, 10 times I'm like, oh, keep preaching. I can't, you know? Years later, though, um, Cody and I had already been serving in the church and Many of you who have been here before, you know the story, but we just started to feel like there, there has to be more, right? There has to be more than just like read and do the right thing. And so we started really pursuing the Holy Spirit and going, what what are we missing? I feel like we're missing something. And as we start pursuing the Holy Spirit, I kind of got into this thing where I started to encounter the Holy Spirit more regularly in my life, but then it kind of became like a drug. And I was like, okay, encounter, let's go. And every time, and I remember I was at a conference And I was in worship, and I was like, okay, God, just touch me. God, give me whatever gifts you want to give me. And he was like, do you just want my gifts, or do you want me? And I was like, "Ooh, yep. (laughs) Because here's the thing. The gifts alone will only produce problems. (laughs) Like, if you have God's gifts but you're not actually connected to him. You're just gonna cause chaos because you're gonna be doing it out of your own strength and you're gonna be doing it in order to make yourself look or feel better, right? But when we actually look, like the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts that God promises us to be able to hear him and, and hear his voice for others, that's what prophecy is, or being able to um, discern what's going on in the spiritual realm or be able to you know speak in different tongues or be able to uh, have wisdom, like like not just man's wisdom, but wisdom from heaven, or all these different gifts that are promised in the Bible, those gifts come with the giver. And and when we try to take the gifts without the giver, we're missing so much. And when we start to pursue encounter instead of pursuing the one that we're meant to be connected with all the time, that's when we get off track. I think the truth is that we are meant to live, I started to live for an encounter. Like I started to live for like, God, when are you gonna meet me next? God, what are you gonna say next? God, what are we gonna do next? And I was living for encounter, but I think the reality is we're not supposed to live for encounter, we're supposed to live from encounter. And what I mean by that that is when we encounter God, it's supposed to act like a launching pad into going higher with him, to, to knowing him more, to being more connected with him. And we're not supposed to be jumping from encounter to encounter to encounter. We're supposed to actually be connecting with him in every encounter that we have. Some of you guys encountered him during worship this morning. Some of you guys might encounter him as you have a conversation with somebody later. Somebody might encounter him as you go and pet an alpaca over there. Honestly, like people have been sending us messages like this, is, like this is connecting me with God. This is like therapy, right? And so, whatever, I'm off track. Um, but, but our encounters are meant to launch us into more with him. I was having a conversation with my sister Tayden this week, and there's so many amazing things going on, but I, mm, I don't want to lie to you, there are a lot of really hard things going on, especially in our family, like really painful, and so we were having this conversation of like, how do you like and, I, and that maybe maybe somebody just needs to hear that today, like it's okay to have all the amazing in the encounter and God showing up and still have hard things. like he doesn't promise us perfect, but he promises to be with us in the hard, right And so we're having this conversation though, and and just talking about how do we get through, it. and I said, you know it's interesting I don't I don't quite know, but something happened to me where now, even when hard things happen, I go and I'm not saying it's not hard, but I somehow am able to then just keep going and be okay and, and, and move where God's moving. And so after the conversation with Tayden, I was like, God, what, what is that? And he was like, you tattooed it on your arm. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> um, on my arm, I have the words tattooed, you're the heaven where my heart is. And it's the line from my mom's favorite worship song. My, my mom, our mom passed away two years ago. And I'm not going to get into the details, but I had this encounter with God right after she passed where suddenly everything I believed became real, and I felt like I stepped one foot into eternity. And suddenly I felt like, wow, I, I get it. <laughs> and, and these words, you're the heaven where my heart is, Jesus is literally the one and and I am already there with him. And so even when the hardest things happen in this life, I'm able to go, we can get through this because I already know, I already know what's coming. I already know why we're doing this. I already know that even the hardest day in this life is but a mist. It's nothing compared to eternity. It's nothing compared not only to the length of eternity, but to the like, magnitude, to the, to the beauty of it, to the pleasure, to the, just every amazing joy, to the peace, to the presence of God. Like, there is nothing, nothing in this earth that can even begin to compare to what awaits us and what is already ours. And, and so when we're able, th- that encounter for me means that on my hardest day now, I go, it's going to be okay. And I am able to just keep walking. And I'm able to see all the good because I'm like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> I know where I am. I know where my spirit is. I know where my God is. I know what he's, I don't always know how he's doing it, but I know what he's doing, right? And so we are supposed to live from encounter. I want to read to you guys 2 Corinthians 3, verses 15 through 18. It says, but to this day, whenever Moses is read, so this is talking about the old uh, covenant, the Old Testament, A veil lies over their eyes. So this is, it's talking about um, the people of God who they're reading the words of Moses, but it says a veil lies over their hearts, sorry. But whenever somebody turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That is such a good verse. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Nothing can hold you back. Nothing, no addiction, no lie you're believing, no family member who won't step in with you, nothing can hold you back. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with unveiled faces, Looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And I want to I just really quickly, as we start to conclude this, look at from glory to glory. From encounter, essentially, to encounter, The word glory, it's to be in his presence. It's it's described as like the light, the brightness. The Shekinah glory is one of my mom's favorite words. The Shekinah glory it's like the presence of God. That encounter with God, we're supposed to go from that to to the next that. From glory to glory in ever-increasing measure. Ever expanding and increasing. It, it's, it's something that we actually the, the veil is removed and we get to see, we get to see what God is saying, but at the same time, we it's it's a it's happened, but it's happening. Yeah. It's progressive from glory to glory. So what's in between the glories? For a lot of us, the valleys. <laughs> a lot of us we go from encounter and we're like, this is so amazing, God is so good, and then you crash. But we're not supposed to. We're supposed to go from glory to glory. And what's between the glory is connection with him. Yeah, yeah. What's be- it's supposed to go f- not from glory, crash, glory again. Crash. It's supposed to go glory, higher glory. Yeah. Launching pad to more. Yeah. To more of his presence. To more understanding. To more encounter. To more favor. That's what we're experiencing. Every time we're like, yes, God. He's like, okay, more favor. You can't keep up with the favor I'm giving you. Amen. <laughs> says, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Are your encounters with God transforming you to the point where people look at you and go, wow, there's something different. They've been with Jesus. <laughs> Maybe they don't know that verbiage yet, but they're like, something's different. What is this? What comes out of you between the glory moments, between the encounters, between the, you know, whether it's a church service or a worship service or, or, you know, God speaks something to you or you read this incredible scripture, what's coming out? When you're with your family, how are you responding? When you're in your workplace, when you're making financial decisions, are you responding from a place of being transformed by encounter, by glory? When you're, when you're in the middle of a stressful situation, what's coming out? When you're in the middle of a misunderstanding with someone, what's coming out? Because when we look at these men, it's like, these men, and if you follow through the gospels, I love it, because they're a mess. And it makes me feel so much better about myself. (laughs) They're a total mess. Like they're not getting it. They're seeing miracles all the time. And then the next second, they're like totally messing up. And Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're doing, right? They don't know what they're doing. But somehow those same men who kept messing up, something happens where they encounter Not only walking with Jesus, but actually the Holy Spirit living in them, coming on them. And now suddenly these encounters with him doesn't make them perfect, but but suddenly these encounters are translating into people around them being transformed. People around them going, whoa, we can tell that you've been with that guy, Jesus. Right? And so we have to look at what is coming out of us between the encounters with God. What is coming out of us? In Galatians chapter 5, actually, all over Galatians, it talks about the difference between the spirit and the flesh. And so often we can look at that, and so much of the church has gotten this wrong where they then try to beat down the flesh. They're like, flesh bad, so body bad. And so you even, and Cody's talked about this before, you even get times where, um, like, the monks used to literally beat their bodies because they thought that's what it meant was like, we got the flesh is bad, we got to beat down the, the flesh. But it's not actually that. It's actually. The, the difference between living by the spirit versus living by the flesh Sandy brought this up at the tent. Um, it's the word sarx, which actually I want to read to you guys what it means in the definition of the Greek. Um, the flesh denotes mere human nature, the earthly nature of man apart from divine influence and therefore prone to sin and opposed to God. So, so the flesh that Paul's talking about in Galatians is when we're choosing to do things apart from God. And I think that's what we start to encounter is when, when, we, when we are relying just on these moments with God but we're not, not actually choosing connection with him between mm-hmm. those moments, then that's when we fall into, now we're just falling back into the flesh and not being led by the Spirit. That's when we're falling into compromise and not living our lives the way that God called us to. You guys, I am all about grace. Like I I feel like our church, our leadership is all about like the the world and the church has so focused so much on sin and condemnation that no one wants to come to church anymore. (laughs) No one feels loved. No, everybody just feels judged. I've heard so many people say, I can't come to church. I'll be struck by lightning. That is not the God I serve that is not the God I serve, yeah. right, and so I, I, I really want, I really want all of us to hear that we are all about, like, one of our four core foundations, one of the four is that everyone is significant, every single person matters, every single person, and, and that God loves you, and there's nothing that you've done, even last night, even this morning, that will cause him to be like, oh, I'm so mad at you. I'm so disappointed. He's not. He is a good God. He knows exactly why you do the things you do. But I never, ever, 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 ever want that to translate into do whatever you want. Because he is also holy. He is righteous. And, and I actually read, um, I, have, I don't remember a lot of my dreams, but I had this dream this morning. And I'm not going to get into all of it. But I remember waking up, hearing the words, Um, about about star it was something about stars and it was something about like like you are now I'm going to mess it up but it was something about like like the stars are what you are create like created with and I was like that's really weird that doesn't sound biblical and so so I started looking it up and I came to the scripture that talks about how when we actually turn people to righteousness we shine like the stars And so our goal is not for people to come in here and go, oh, Jesus loves me in my mess and I can just stay in it. No, no, no. We want, we want every single one of us, ourselves included, because we mess up all the time, to go, Jesus loves me in my mess, but man, he loves me so much that he wants to see me out of it. He wants to see me out of the junk. He wants to see me thriving as the person I was meant to be. He doesn't want to see me compromising and not living the life I was meant to live. He doesn't want to see me saying, oh, it's okay. It's all right. We're going to get married one day, so it's okay. He doesn't want to see you going, well, I know I had a little too much to drink, but it was just a little too much. And yeah, I probably said some things I shouldn't have said and whatever. Like, sorry, I don't, do not hear that as condemnation. Hear that as he wants something better for you. He wants more for you. He sees more in you. He loves you so much that he is going, do not ever settle for what the enemy wants you to believe about yourself. Do not ever. (laughs) Okay, there's one more story I wanted to share, but you guys all still with me? Should I share it? I don't have to. Okay, I'll share it. I was thinking about this fact that I think a lot of um, a lot of us really struggle. I know this was me for years and years and years and years. I went from encounter to encounter. And between, I was the crash person. I was like, oh, my gosh, Jesus is so good. Like, literally to the point where even when I was in youth group, every time they did an altar call, I was like, yeah, Jesus, I love you. And then, like, the next night, I'm, like, drinking with my friends and whatever, like, you know. And and then the next week, youth group, like, okay, anybody, yes, please, Jesus, I love you, right? And, and I think a lot. And then for years, like, that's silly. But even as an adult, I just was always doing that. I was like, you know, I would hear something from God, and I was like, oh, God, you're so good and then I would just fall. And I don't want us to live like that anymore. And I was reminded um, years ago, Cody and I went to South Africa um, to to actually visit the children's villages that we were at, and my friend was getting married, and so we went with my mom and dad. And we found this, uh, South, Africa ha- South Africa had hosted the Soccer World Cup a few years before, and they had gone really extravagant and built these massive, massive soccer stadiums, and then didn't know what to do with them. So we found this massive one, uh, that's the Moses Madiba in Durban, massive, and they turned it into a giant swing, kid you not. So Cody and I are like, yes, let's do that. Um, I was a little bit of an adrenaline junkie, skydiving, all of that stuff. Then I had kids and I realized that's way more adrenaline than I can even handle. So, um, (laughs) but this this big, it's called very South African, Big Rush, Big Swing is the name of it. (laughs) Um, And so (laughs) we literally walk up, you see how it has those two things? Those are stairs. And so we walk up, they said it was over 500 stairs until we got to the third, what's that? Thing, beam thingy. And do you have the next one where you're like looking at your feet? That's not my feet. But that's what, and then you get harnessed in and you jump. Yeah, it was really fun, you should totally do it. Um, (laughs) But I think the thing, like of that whole experience... Of that whole experience, the thing that kind of hit me the most, besides for <laughs> my dad was sitting with our son, Braden, he was like 18 months at the time, and they're the only people in the stadium, and we hear their little like voices like, yeah, <laughs> and my son's like, why are you jumping from a thing? Anyway, um, but but besides for that, the thing that hit me the most is as we're walking up these 500 stairs, because these stairs are not too California Guidelines, okay? <laughs> um, they're not safe, and so what they actually have you do, because you already have your harness on. So what they have you do is they have you um, basically roped in with this little small rope, and then all the way up the stairs, they have this railing. So you're you're actually tethered to this railing at the bottom of the stairs, but obviously. You know, that's not going to help if you get to stair number 500 and you fall and the whole thing just slides down. So about every, I don't know, four or five steps, there was a, a big, um, like, thing, ball thing. <laughs> Words are great today. Stop, a stopper thing, as Cody professionally said. And so you, we had to take this rope and take our little carabiner on there. And actually, as you got to each, um, to, to each little stopper thing, you had to flip your carabiner over it and then you take a few more steps and then you'd flip it over it. Never take it off. Just you just have to kind of maneuver it. And I was like, "What is going on?" And then I suddenly realized, "Oh. It's so when I'm at stair 500 and I fall on my butt, I don't go flying all the way to the bottom and then go meet Jesus. I <laughs> only f- I only fall. I only fall s- four steps. And I hit Cody, right? And so <laughs> But I suddenly realized as I was thinking about this fact, too many of us are on this relationship with Jesus and we're like, yay, encounter with Jesus, you're so good. And, but we're not actually connected. And so then the next day something happens, or the next hour, or right as you go out onto the patio, Your, you know, kid comes and says something, you're like, ah, and you lose it. And then suddenly you feel defeated, and then suddenly you spiral down into nothingness because you had this encounter, but you're not actually connected. You had a moment where you stepped in and you felt the presence of God, but you're not actually connected to him, and so therefore, you're not connected and you fall all the way to the bottom of the steps. But, but if you will actually connect yourself, the thing is when we, when we have these encounters, but then we actually connect ourselves to the vine. John uh, 15 talks about how he is the vine and we are the branches, right? And that we get to stay connected with him. And when we actually connect ourselves with him, that is how we prevent this encounter to encounter. And instead we go glory to ever-increasing glory to ever-increasing glory to where we're actually being transformed, right? And so I just want to right now, um, for, for all the way, we're, we're closing, but as the worship team comes up here just to close us out, I want to just encourage you to actually step in with God. And, and if that's you, if you feel like you're that person who keeps having an encounter but then keeps falling, that you will actually step in and that you will actually say, God, I actually want to be connected to you all the time. I actually want relationship with you, not just good feelings. I actually want to take what I read and see and actually have it transform my life. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you right now as I pray just to put your hands up or stand up or whatever, whatever, know you're good. Uh, whatever you, whatever God's telling you to do. But God, we just right now ask you into this place, God. We ask you to help us to be people who are not just having moments with you, but that we are actually walking in step with you. God, that we, I pray for any single person in here, God, maybe who's, who's just for the first time stepping in and going, I actually think maybe this thing might be real. God, that you would meet them right now, but it would be so much more than just a feeling, but that they would actually open up and that they would actually step in and they would actually commit to you. And if that's you right now, I want you to know it's as simple as that. The God of the universe is speaking to your heart right now and all you need to respond is yes, I accept you as Lord and Savior. And he will instantly forgive your sins and he instantly transforms you and he instantly gives you his spirit But I also pray for those of us who maybe have just, we've been on this walk and I know what it is to be on this walk with God and sometimes the struggles of the world and the the fact that life is just not easy, sometimes that can get us down. And so I just pray for you right now that you would choose to step in with him, that you would choose to actually commit. I think that our society has a real struggle with commitment. And God, we don't want to be like the world. And we want to commit to you. We want to commit to everything you have for us. So Jesus, will you just come? I just pray that I will get out the way, that we will get out the way, and that you will come and you do whatever you want to do here today, God. You meet every single person where they're at. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Amen.